This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. The fairy tale 2020 season of the Miami Dolphins ended up as one of those older and more gruesome tales focused on scaring kids. The team fell 56 to 26 on Sunday to the Buffalo Bills, squandering any hopes of a playoff run. Welcome into Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Mendel, and joining me, as always, Joshua Houts. Josh, uh, the season's over, but we're gonna keep on riding. Yeah, man, and you know it it sucks the way this season ended, but it was a great year. We're gonna talk about the progress they made, but I'm excited to talk Dolphins football with you again, man. How have you been? I'm good. I'm good. You know, New Year. We were kind of hoping things would be a little different for the Miami Dolphins, but you know. The idea of a new year is, is more than just the calendar turning, right? That There's got to be a lot of work and effort going into it. And, you know, when I think about our preview game or preview show talking about this matchup with the Buffalo Bills, there were a lot of storylines I, I kind of hoped for. I mentioned, you know, the fairy tale at the top. And, and you know, we could be sitting here talking about how, how Brian Flores gave this incredible speech, how we talked up Tua, how Tua, you know, showed a little bit of magic in Week 17 to help the Dolphins have its cake and eat it too, uh, a saying we used a lot throughout the season by beating the Bills and still locking up that third overall pick. Now, we know that's only half true, and, and we're going to have a lot of time to talk about the draft, which is still, you know, four months away. But I wrote a column on, on the Finsider earlier today and one of the things that i said that actually stuck with me it was one of those things i didn't really pick up on until i i said it it's hard to adjust the lens from a week-to-week basis to a year-by-year basis especially with 
a second quarter where the Miami Dolphins are outscored 28 to three, and a fourth quarter where they are outscored 21 to 13, staring you blank in the face. Uh, so, Josh, there's a lot of different things we can talk about about this game, but I, I think we got to start uh, Tua Tagovailoa, 58 attempts, three interceptions. Uh, they they let Tua try to cook, but it, it seems like there was no gas, there was no ingredients. It was just trying to uh, burn some macaroni and cheese, for lack of better words. Yeah, it was it was ugly, and it's like yeah, like you said, you're boiling pasta, and the water just boils over, and there's noodles everywhere. That's pretty much what this was in all three phases. But we're going to talk about the quarterback, and um, you know, we continue to hear that Chan Gailey's offense is different for both these guys. But let's be honest, Tua went out there and he did not play well. Again, biggest game of his career in the NFL, biggest game of the season for this entire team, and that offense looked, uh, you know pitiful early on and you can sit here and place blame wherever you want the receivers not creating separation again it was a bad performance and what we thought would be uh, a game where he would go out there and cook and you did mention he threw the ball 56 times put up one of those uh, Justin Herbert stat lines where they still didn't win the game but he threw for what 361 yards I think it was so mm-hmm. um I really don't know where we go from here. I think it's ridiculous that we're even talking. Like, I mean, we know we're, we hear the national media talking quarterback. It's what we're going to hear for the next four months. But I think we both can sit here and agree right now. The Dolphins do not need a quarterback. Are we on the same page with that? Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm certainly going to do a little bit of uh, devil's advocate. Uh, and I do want to start by saying, I mean, we were sitting here here 12 months ago saying how this was a revolutionary prospect and how uh, he is going to change the game. And, and, you know, there was mentions of Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and, And all they needed was half a season to throw that all out the window. Uh, There is some conversation about a a quarterback being taken third overall. And I don't even want to get into names, but I I do want to get into this concept. Because uh, if a quarterback is there at three, I mean, I think you do have to look long and hard. I think someone like Tua is is someone I'm not going to give up on by any means. But if there's somebody there, I think the Dolphins right now have the first dibs at at the – coaching in in the uh, senior bowl. I don't even know who's going to play in that, but you have to look at everyone, Josh. I think you have to look at if there are quarterbacks that are available. I think you got to look with them. And and it doesn't mean two is bad. It just means you have to do all your research and and you really have to think about these things. Um, One thing that frustrated me about this performance is you go through these receivers. Devontae Parker caught seven of his 14 targets. Uh, Mike Jacecki caught five of his 10 dark targets. Isaiah Ford caught three of his seven targets. Josh, I think we really need to lay to rest the, I don't want to say it was lazy because there was something to it, but an overused saying of Tua doesn't know how to throw to, to guys who are open in the NFL. They're used to throwing to guys who are open at the college level. And I just look at, you know, Jacecki catching five of 10 targets, Parker catching seven of 14. And there were times throughout the season where we'd nitpick uh, uh, throws where, where we could say, yeah, Jacecki probably should have called it Gusecki. Excuse me. I got yelled at Gusecki should have called it. But we sit here and get into these arguments of Tua has to throw to these guys who aren't, you know, completely open, but that's just like their skill set. But then when they don't make the catches, we give them a, a pass. So I, I do think there is a, a middle ground where we we can sit here and sound, try to sound smart saying Tua doesn't know how to throw to guys who are open at the NFL level, but then we can look on the other side and see that is not completely true. We can look at Tua's three interceptions. We can look at his yards per attempt and see that as an issue. We can look at Chan Gailey's offensive play calling as an issue, but when you have a rookie quarterback, the issue is that all these things are sprinkled together. The drops, Tua missing some throws, 
Chan Gailey not having a great offense, the fact the team didn't go for it on fourth and one early in the game and a do or die where everything's on, you know, it's it's a win or go home type of game. That was really the disappointing thing for me. It just seemed like everything really fell apart at the wrong time. This, this was a unit. This even looked like a team that was held together uh, by paper clips and bubble gum that just kind of rolled its way to the to the end finish here. For sure. And you, you mentioned the drops. I think someone counted there was 11 of them in total. And I mean, yes, you mentioned it to a, you know, some of it, he's a little bit off with his accuracy at times. Sure. But there are some throws that he made out there that were impressive as hell. I mean, he should have had Jasicki for a big gain. I don't know if he was jockeying with the receiver there what or the cornerback there. What led to that incompletion? But he had him there. He made some nice throws to, you know, Isaiah Ford who had a drop, Jasicki. So, um, again, it isn't all into it. Yes, one of those interceptions was very badly overthrown. I think the one to Lynn Bowden was a little off that, uh, sorry, Lynn Bowden, that was a little off, got tipped up in the air and picked off. So again, you're right. It was just everything, you know, it, it just at one time when the biggest game of the year, when the Dolphins needed it most, everything just went wrong. And it's kind of been that way this entire year, hasn't it? With the offense, at least, I mean, the offense, if, if we're looking at this team, uh, the 2020 Dolphins, you're looking at this offense as, you know, kind of that unit that held this team back. Am I right? I mean, I think if they went out there and they executed the way that we expected, um, Obviously not in this game. The defense, I mean, we're going to talk about that. They give 50-some points to, you know, Matt Barkley and um, Josh Allen there for a little bit. But again, um, I think this offense is going to take that step this year. We mentioned all those draft picks, four in the top 50. We know they're getting receivers. They, we know they have money to also, you know, get more receivers. I mean, they're going to have a, a lot more weapons. I think they need to build around two, and I think good things will come. But um, back to what I guess I'll start this entire thing is with the third overall pick in the draft, if, if there's a quarterback there that this – this uh, Chris Greer and Brian Flores believe and had high ranked higher than Tua Tagovailoa. If any franchise in the NFL was going to go in there and just you know throw it all out the window and do whatever the hell they want, that's Brian Flores and his coaching mm-hmm. staff. Again, I believe in Tua Tagovailoa. We believe in Tua Tagovailoa. We believe building around him is the best thing for this team. But I mean, I can't sit here and say 100% that Brian Flores, after everything we've seen this year wouldn't draft a quarterback. I mean, if again, if any team would do that crazy stuff, it'd be Brian Flores. You're 100% right, and it's a conversation worth having, and I think that is completely fair. And I think another conversation most people have to have with themselves is we entered the season talking about the, the issues on the offensive side of the football. We spoke you know, ad nauseum about how we just needed to see something to it to give us a little bit of confidence where this is the year we're going to build all around him. I mean, I look at the, the gritty two-rushing touchdown performance against New England. I look at that Cardinals game. As that little bit of magic, I, I certainly wanted to see that on Sunday. I mean, there were so many different stories that that could have been written uh, about a team that kind of got the monkey off its back. But this game was a, like a New England punch to the mouth of you know the Dolphins are still a couple pieces away. The the fact is they are a couple pieces away. Uh, Josh, let, let's look at this offense here, and, and who really has carved themselves roles on this team who are going to 100% be back as part of uh, a major part of this offense next year? I think Devontae Parker is one, and you look at that contract, is uh, is great, but he has at times disappeared this year, even when he is on the field. Uh, Mike Gesicki is also going to be a guy who, again, very good tight end, Um but outside of that, there isn't a lot of clarity. You saw them really try to get Lynn Bowden Jr. involved a lot. He caught eight of his 12 targets, but they were just kind of dumping it off to him with, with a as kind of a prayer. Hey, please do something with the ball because nobody else can. 
Yeah, Chan Gaisley was using him almost like uh, remember Jarvis <laughs> yeah, Sandra like being that. used in, in some of those, uh, you know, those uh, screen passes. But I, I think that right there, Lynn Bowden is absolutely going to be part of the equation next year. And I think you got to throw uh, Malcolm Perry in there. And again, he's had kind of a slow season, but I, I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but that movie put it. Yes, it was a seventh rounder. Yes, he was peeking in the backfield, but he put a cut on that defender for that touchdown. That was just dirty as heck. So uh, I think, you know, we listed, what, four guys, five guys that could potentially be back. I mean, this unit's going to be completely rebuilt. And then you look at the, the run game. And again, we thought they were going to establish the run. I mean, admittedly, you know, they got down early. They, they took that uh, Buffalo jumped out to that huge start. So they really didn't uh, rely on that run game like we would have liked. But Salvin Ahmed led the unit with six carries for 29 yards. Tuaton Valo had six carries for 28 yards, and then Miles Gaskin had seven carries for 20 yards. So uh, we talked about before Miles Gaskin, you know, he should absolutely be part of that tandem next year. And Salvin Ahmed as well. I mean, they have similar skill sets, but I think what they can do to this running back unit, um, you know, is going to be beneficial moving forward. So Again, there's so much that you can dissect here, but you said it best before I just went on this whole rant is heading into this year, you know, we were all content. If Tua sits the whole season, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I think a lot of it is just being prisoners of the moment, seeing the national yes. media and just seeing Justin Herbert, seeing Joe Burrow and seeing all this stuff. We just threw everything that we set out the window. And I tweeted out earlier and I, I knew what I was doing. It was so stupid. I ended up deleting because I had some of the yards wrong. But when you compare what Tuaton Valoa did in his first, in his ten, nine starts to what Dan Marino, yes, I know we're talking, what, 30 plus years. I mean, it's been forever since Marino was drafted. Completely different era. But the the point was the numbers aren't too far off and we just got to freaking uh, chill. He's not Dan Marino. He will probably never be Dan Marino because there is only one Dan Marino. But Tua Tonvaloa can still be the franchise quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. And again, we went through it. They need to build weapons. And I, I want to quick transition that into the offensive line and ask you your thoughts on that unit because third overall, I mean, we talked about last week of Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from uh, – Oregon. He seems like probably the once in a generation talent. And I hate to say that because I think that's what I used when I talked about Tua last year. But where would you see him fitting in? We see Austin Jackson coming along. We see Solomon Kinley coming along. Uh, Robert Hunt at, at right tackle. I mean, you see the pieces there. But how did you think this unit performed as the season progressed in prim primarily in this game? And then what would you see? Um, how would you see things shuffle around there if, if they would bring in a Sewell? You have to love the situation they are in on the offensive line. I mean, you had three rookies getting so much experience, and that is awesome to see. I mean, we led the Solomon Kinley hype train for most of the year. Um, I, If I remember correctly, he did not play too, too much in the Buffalo game. Um, you know, Eric Flowers seems to be what, what we wanted. We might want to move Kinley over to left guard, where he, he certainly looked more comfortable, looked better in the run game. But, I mean, Austin Jackson... Decent left tackle. Again, these these are all rookies. I'm not going to sit here and, and make any, you know, definitive claim. But, I mean, someone who got better throughout the season. Big Bomb Hunt looks awesome at right guard. I mean, I, I didn't see Tua's blind side really get attacked too, too much uh, all season. You know, center, I guess, is the one position where they really struggled. I think communication really became a huge issue uh, farther down the season. So you wonder if Ted Karras is going to be back. You wonder if they're just going to kind of sign someone to fill his spot. He was on a one-year, $4 million deal, I think. But to get back, I mean, that using that third pick on a tackle, especially a blue chip like that, is appealing. It is super, super appealing because if you can control the trenches, I mean, life gets so much easier for everything else you're trying to do. Uh, but this is, for me, when with the third overall pick, I mean, I really look like a kid at a candy store because uh, you, you can go with the the tackle where you solidify everything for years to come. You get to, you could get Tua his 
elite weapon and a wide receiver, uh, Julio Jones, you know, whoever it might be. Uh, I, I know uh, there's an Alabama receiver, there's an LSU receiver, two guys who, who really could come in and be difference makers. You could trade down and try to get more picks going for years to come. Uh, you could take a, a, a linebacker if you wanted to. The, the guy at a Penn State certainly seems like a possibility. So, so Josh, I could legitimately talk myself into any situation here. I, I'd like to get your thoughts. I mean, if you had to choose one player to pick at number three right now, uh, who would it be? Because I, I seem to be jumping on this uh, every single week, just kind of thinking back to this 2019 season, 2020 season, yeesh. Yeah, it, <laughs> that year's finally over. Thank God. I mean, for me, I, I think, you know, it is. And we have so, so long to talk about the draft. You know, free agency is going to play an important factor. But I think to me, it always goes back to best player available. And again, I think uh, the, the tackle from Oregon, I mean, he's been talked about as this generational talent and this guy that's just, you know, can't miss plug and play almost like Laramie Tunsil was. So to think that, again, that the Dolphins went from Laramie Tunsil, made that trade, got all those assets and now get uh, Suell to add to that offensive line. We saw what Josh Allen was doing. I mean, you literally saw him sitting there going through his reads pointing at his receivers trying to figure out where the hell he was going with the football and that was I believe in that Byron Jones interception but the point was he had all day to throw so I love that I love that receiver you know we 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 all love to watch the ball, don't we? We all love to see those big plays go down. We all love the fantasy football players and us love those big plays. But I think what Swell would do to that offensive line, allow those other players to, you know, kind of fill in those other spots and have a bunch of different versatile guys that can play throughout that offensive line. Again, young guys. I think I agree with you with the Karras thing that you said not to jump around, but um, he had a couple bad snaps in that game. And we saw Tua kind of chew him out a little bit like Marino. But lots of things that we can see, uh, lots of options here at number three. And I think, you know, what ultimately it's going to come down to is what is a team going to pay to jump up and get quarterback too? Because Good if question. if the Jets take the tackle, then the Dolphins have you know a world of options. And at that point, um, I, I don't even know that. Then I'm getting excited just thinking about that because whether it's Zach, whether it's Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, a team if they believe that that is their guy, they're going to pay for it. And um, you know, Chris Greer, as we've seen in the past, they'll be waiting. Um, I, I got two little last notes here. I mean, I, I really want to put the rest, uh, just, just a lot of the different comparisons. Um, I, I was thinking about this during the game. Uh, did you ever play Super Smash Bros? Any of them? Yes. Um, and I'm not going to go here good. and say I'm an expert or anything like that. I haven't played in years. But but I kind of look at Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and to his playing styles. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's like that guy who goes for the one-hit KO over and over and over. Where Fitzpatrick's, the, or excuse me, where Tua's the type of guy who's going to uh, damage you little by little by little until that um, that that one hit KO becomes super easy to do, and, and the Dolphins on Sunday just didn't have anyone who who could provide that one hit KO no matter how much dinking and dunking they did throughout the game. So I mean, it's just kind of weird that that we're still making these comparisons and the same is true about uh, the justin herbert situation i mean the the chargers played in very volatile games where the dolphins were trying to just keep games organized and keep games in reach and, and that's kind of what disappointed me most about this offense uh josh we had an issue where chan gailey was fired then he wasn't because it was a fake Schefter that that got espn i mean that's kind of ironic the how, how does that happen how how does that happen? I mean, he works interns, for man. That, That's <laughs> the only thing I can think of is is there's in, interns who, who kind of write up, aggregate all the news. Uh, they kind of and put those into stories. Um, it was just disappointing to see them not have any desperation, you know, fourth down plays, uh, settling for six points in the first half. I mean, this team just, just really lacked urgency on the offensive side of the ball on, on Sunday. And while it is, we have to focus on the whole season. My lasting impression is going to be, 
uh, on offense, there there was no urgency. There there was no uh, leadership to be found on that unit. So Josh, let's yeah, jump I mean, into it. A almost break. looked like it was. Go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say it almost looked like it was a preseason game. Almost, you know, mm-hmm. like it almost seemed like they just weren't on the same page at all. And again, we sat here and we praised Brian Flores, and it, it's not entirely on the coaching staff here, but for them to come out and lay that egg, I mean, it was very disheartening. But um, it, again, it just looked like these guys almost just got thrown together, you know, this week and just went out there and said, Let, "Let's see what happens." But uh, I think we covered the offense. Let's take a break and then we'll dive into the defense. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now, and, and to kind of stick on that point, Josh, of lasting impressions, I mean, the Dolphins' defense gave up 28 points in the second quarter, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Yes, there was a pick six. Yes, there was a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, the punts, the special teams is a huge concern on its own. I mean, they've really, after being one of the best teams uh, in terms of special teams, DVOA, I mean, they have really fallen apart as, as a unit, especially defending kicks. Uh, but, but Josh, it seemed like early in this game it was, it was simple. Scratch and claw until they take Josh Allen out of the game. And, and for the Bills, it was simple. You guys were a cute story, but this is what it's like to play in the NFL. And, and you kind of mentioned Josh L- Allen and, and his decision-making. I could not be more impressed with the quarterback, and that's so frustrating to say, especially it's when gross. it's inside your division. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, after all the years of you know Tom Brady in New England, seeing that Josh Allen performance legitimately horrified me because you could tell the plan early on was the Dolphins' game plan and what they do every week. They try to make you beat them underneath uh, 10 yards, 15 yards, 10, and, and just move the ball downfield. And Byron Jones got his paws on an interception. Yay, we got three points out of it. But outside of that, I mean... Josh Allen could complete any pass down low. He could complete any pass deep. I mean, I I could keep going and make a Dr. Seuss book with how crazy this guy's performance was, despite only going 18 for 25, because there was no stopping him. I mean, they were picking on Nick Needham uh, after that Byron Jones interception. And once they were, you know, Allen got a touchdown picking him apart, you know, little by little, the Dolphins played up. Hey, you're going to try to throw it short. We're going to get in front of that. Next thing you know, Byron Jones is getting burnt deep by by John Brown. I mean, this just kind of showed the difference. And if you want to compare the weapons, I mean, Gabriel Davis, Josh, might be the the would be the most consistent receiver on the Miami Dolphins. Let alone Stephon Diggs, who led this uh, led the entire league in receptions and yards, and John Brown, who is arguably the best burner in the league. So I mean, you can just see the difference in having a complete unit. You see the growth in Josh Allen. And, hey, that's another idea or another thing to keep in your mind when everyone's stopping that panic button about Tua as a rookie. 
100%. That's kind of what I started to write down because I don't want to lose my thought, but that's why we should all be excited. I mean, Josh Allen looked dreadful his rookie season. You know, his accuracy was this huge thing, and no one ever thought you could overcome that. I mean, this guy's playing out of his freaking mind. I mean, we can say he's an elite quarterback because that's how he's playing, but you're right. This this defense almost looked like they were just waiting and anxiously anticipating for when they would eventually pull him. I mean, at that point, you should just let them get the yards that he needed right out the gate. Let Stefan Diggs eclipse his mark and get him out of the game. It was just mm-hmm. a poor performance again for a defense that was first in the NFL, you know, and all these statistical categories have been playing lights out. And I think when you look back at week one and we all saw what happened, or I guess it was week, sorry, week two, when you look back at week two and you saw Igbenogany get beat up and the Dolphins came back and lost by three, you just kept saying, no, okay, when we play him again in week 17, it's going to be a whole different story. It, was, it was because the Bills turned into <laughs> juggernauts and they knocked, the, knocked our teeth in. So um, again, I think the biggest takeaways from this is you should be able to look at this and see what the Dolphins need for two. I mean, they went out there and got the best receiver in the NFL this season, Stephon Diggs, and he turned into a, a monster. I mean, you have to build around these young guys. And again, it takes time. It took time with Josh Allen. It's going to take time with Tua. But this defense, and I know that's what it's going to come back down to. I mean, they, they really laid an egg in, in a, the most important game of the season, and it was disappointing. Xavier Howard, 10 interceptions. He got his paws on one by Matt Barkley. Uh, finishes with uh, 10, the only player in the NFL to hit double digits, I think since 2011 or, or something crazy like that. Uh, awesome guy. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm already seeing the stories. Are they moving on from Xavier Howard this year? Which is silly. I think Byron Jones and, and Xavier Howard, when they're on, are a, a great combo. I, I, again, am a little concerned with how Byron Jones played, especially um, there were some games where he just seemed to be off, which I guess happens. But, but with the contract he has, I think you – you want a little bit more from him going into next year. I wrote down Kyle Van Noy is what we wanted Koa Misi to be. And and nothing against Koa Misi, who uh, suffered a lot of injuries, just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, he is really that guy who can really scan those underneath routes, get his hands on some balls. Uh, he posted a thank you to Miami today. Uh, he was dealing with a lot of injuries he looks like everything the Dolphins could have asked for in that trade. Obviously, Eric Rowe is is uh, continuing his his trajectory as a stud, as a strong safety. Oh, no, he, he had a bad game against Darren Waller. Oh, no. But he looked great again on, on Sunday against Buffalo. Zach Sealer, two tackles, another diamond in the rough the Dolphins have here. But, Josh, I mean, I kind of spoke about this. Andrew Van Ginkle, another one, fourth-round pick, really stepping up into his own fifth-round pick. Vince Beagle's going to be back, but I mean, when I look at this defense, I think they need a, a, a linebacker. When you look at the performance from Josh Allen, you need that linebacker who can get in front of a ball or two underneath, uh, because that that seemed to be Miami's weakness, and, and as a result, you know, you push the defense up and they get beat deep. Absolutely, and I know, like how you're making these comparisons. Can we call Andrew Van Ginkle Chase Winovich? Because everyone wanted mm-hmm. Chase Winovich so bad. Yeah. I mean, this guy's pretty much, you know, turning into the Miami's Chase Winovich. But you might be better. Mentioned- I think he is better. Yeah, he, he sure is. But I, and Jerome Baker, I wanted to apologize to him because I said heading into this year, you know, he was an, one of the Dolphins' most overrated players, and that was mostly because the fan base put him on a pedestal the year before. But this guy is a monster. He is absolutely an asset to this defense. He's lining up at, at edge. He's playing at linebacker. So I just had wanted to say that and get that off my chest because Jerome Baker has been a monster this season. But I think you're right. I think they might need to add another linebacker there. I think they still need to get a true free safety because Bobby McCain is a great communicator. You know, we see all the things that he does for this team when he's not in the lineup. But I just feel like there's limitations there with his range, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to make plays there in the, in the passing game. So 
I think they might look at a safety. I still think we need that true edge rusher, and I say that as I in, um, you know, that speed, the, the Joey Bosa's, the Miles Garrett, those guys that's just going to go out there and Jason Taylor their ass to the quarterback and find ways. So I think those are the little nitpicks that we have here. Um, but going back to this game, I mean, it was just disappointing that um, this elite defense, uh, you know, again, against an elite offense, against probably the, the MVP of the league or at least up there with Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, they just look like the game was too much for them. And you, you want them to bounce back. And I think that's one thing that I think is maybe blessing in disguise. I mean, we all wanted to make the playoffs. I don't know why, because we probably would have got our ass kicked. But the Dolphins losing this game the way they did, I mean, the sour taste is going to sit there and just linger until, uh, you know, they play meaningful football games again. And uh, that, to me, just means the Dolphins are going to come out there firing on all cylinders. And we heard it from Jerome Baker, 2000. 21 is our year so uh i'm ready i'm ready to run through a wall and it sucks because now we gotta wait this long time until football season josh i want to ask you do you still see this team as a year ahead of schedule i do i do and i think you know it's it's hard not to what about you yes i i do i mean especially with those picks i i wish they could have gotten quote-unquote playoff experience but i mean this game this game is was the playoffs for them this was about as close as they're gonna get and I see that as the experience. I guess my one, you know, concern is, I mean, Josh, I'm going to go back to it. And I'm going to say it time and time again. I'm not saying this is how it's going to be, but I'm just saying this is something that's in the back of my head. Tony Sperano had a good year. Adam Gates had a good year. While there is room for the Dolphins to grow a, a boatload and be better and make the playoffs and, hey, maybe even be a Super Bowl contender next year if they hit on all these picks, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, there is th- this is far from being, like, we're going to get to the playoffs next year. This, this team clearly needs some work. This coaching staff clearly needs some work. I mean, from top to bottom, this is a sign of, hey, you know, we could say we're ahead of schedule, but, but you still need to go out there. It's like wishing 2021 is going to be different, except you're going to act exactly the same. You know what I mean? So... There, there, there's still so much that needs to happen for this team to get where it's going. And, and that's why, yes, while I will say they're ahead of schedule, I mean, I am far from saying Brian Flores is, is you know, all of a sudden worlds away from, from, you know, coaching stats of the past because we got same old Dolphin today. I mean, as a general speaking in, in the season, no, we didn't. 10 and 6 is awesome. We did not. But there is still that little bit of fear that's going to be sitting inside of me until opening day of next year that – did they do enough? Are they a new team? Again, that that might sound silly, and I'm sure people are yelling at me, especially being 10 and 6. I don't know how you miss the playoffs at 10 and 6, let alone with another team making the playoffs. But you're right. I was sitting there, too, uh, about 5 o'clock, and, and I was really asking myself, uh, when it was down to basically the Titans game, do we want Houston to win just to get our butts kicked by, by the Bills again, or do we take that third overall pick and let this be the game that, that sits on us for, for the rest of the offseason? And... You just you just kind of you kind of want it to be opening day next year, so you can kind of put the for me the, the silly is this the same old Dolphins uh, behind us? But but we're gonna have to wait and, and, and think about that for some time. But but I don't think anyone should fault you for that because I mean that was kind of our concern going into some of these games this year. You know, okay, the Dolphins should win this game, but is it the same old Dolphins? You know, two tongue of a low is this can't miss prospect. But if he goes to the Dolphins, is it gonna be the same old Dolphins? I mean, it's just it's just. As a fan of this team, you just expect the worst. And, I mean, we saw it on Sunday. You, you went up there. You said, okay, they're going to play their backups. We're going to sneak into the playoffs. And we got our ass kicked. So, uh, I don't think anybody faults you for that. I think um, you made a great point with the Gase and the Speranos and all those other coaches, you know, that we did have a lot of promise in. But, again, I think we can all agree this is just a different team. Something about it is just different. And it starts with Chris Greer. It starts with Brian Flores. And, um, 
you know, we'll, we'll see where they go from here. But I think um, you mentioned it. This is the NFL. No game's easy. So, yes, they won 10 games this year. But what does that mean for next year? I mean, we could be back to 6 and 10. Obviously, we don't want that to happen. But with a much tougher schedule, who knows what uh, will come. One thing I don't think we mentioned throughout any of this, and we I, I don't want to use that as an excuse so much, but we got to remember when it comes back to tour or any of these rookies, any of these players that are new on this team. You know, they, they brought in how many was it, what, 35, 40 new players, something crazy like that? They didn't have a preseason. You know, they were doing Zoom meetings. You know, this was an, an uncharacteristic season. And for all these players to, to go through the testing daily and all the crap just with football, not even, you know, the bigger picture there. It's you got to commend them. You got to tip your hat for what they did and what they accomplished. But the sour taste is going to be in all of our mouth until, you know, we see different. But um, this this year was an exciting year. We just wish it would have ended a lot better. You're 100% right, and that's something I that's worth noting, Tully. Tua, three linemen, uh, half of your running back room. I mean, you're receiving Lynn Bowden coming in halfway through the season and being a guy. Malcolm Perry, a seventh-round pick, being forced to do something. A seventh-round pick, Joshua. Uh, Miles Gaskin, a seventh-round pick. That, that There is so much room for growth. I guess the, the fear is, hey, is this the ceiling? And and until we're proven otherwise, that is a legitimate question. But but you're right. Rookies, they grow. Tua's going to get better. I think the entire offense is you know hopefully going to get better. Uh, Josh, the, the last note I have here is, uh, do you think, you know, I think the Dolphins are up to be uh, the coaching staff at the Senior Bowl. Uh, this year, do you, do you see that helping them out anyway? Do you see that 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 you know really changing up what the Dolphins' offseason plan maybe? I did want to bring that up earlier when you mentioned it because I think Jim Nagy, the guy that's in charge of it, he originally said that and then he backtracked after Kyle Krabs posted that article in Dolphins Wire. So I don't think the Dolphins are up for okay. uh, coaching at the Senior Bowl. That's good to know. Uh, you know, again, I, I apologize for going going a little bit doom and gloom, but but I think we hit a, a, on both sides of the eight ball here where the Dolphins, I mean, they're on the path. They're on the path to really becoming an elite you know, team in the NFL, but, but Sunday's game put that little bit of fear in me, uh, about, you know, the same old dolphins, uh, Josh, I'd like to at least for a little while do two shows with you a week, just to kind of wrap up the season, go about that. I I'd like for us to do our book club going into next season as well. Of course, these are things we'll, we'll go on as, as the off season slowly develops, but th thanks for I just joining me, buddy. I just had an epiphany, dude. Uh, we can do the book club and we can start, you know, showcasing some of the prospects that the dolphins might go after. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I, and I'm looking forward to doing something like that. I, I just thought this would be a good opportunity. We, we recorded a, a day later uh, to really just kind of take in everything and, and understand that, hey, you know, only Sith deal in absolutes. And, and I, I can't state that enough. Whether you're trying to preach that Tua had no help and he's going to be just fine, that that's fantastic. But but there are concerns, too. And, and you got to look at both sides. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I, I hope 2020, all things considered, treated you guys all right. We're on to a new year. We're hoping you guys will join us for this uh, journey, Josh, because th this offseason is going to be just as exciting as last. It is. And, you know, we talked about being the appetizer Last year, we're on to the entree, guys. This is the year Dolphins. Uh, I got you know, gas take... from that appetizer. <laughs> yeah, we did get gas. But, you know, uh, it's exciting. I think you're right. This is going to be an even more exciting offseason because of all the weapons in place and what we saw from these young players. So uh, stick with us. If you like what you're listening to, uh, subscribe. Follow Jake on Twitter. He still doesn't know his handle, at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. I'm at Houts. 
for the Jake and Josh show. One final time, thank you so much for joining us on the season of the 2020 ride. Uh, but this isn't goodbye. And see you later. We'll be back later this week to get you guys moving and grooving. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up, baby. Maybe to a cook. Maybe rest. Maybe take. Turn out the grills. It's the off season. Don't burn the place down. Detach the propane. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.